0: It takes a lot of talent to be able to take a channel and grow it to over 450,000 subscribers. Lots of videos, lots of videos views, and lots of viral videos as well. So today we're gonna chat to Rob Wilson who looks after the vidIQ channel, and he's gonna share with us things that he has learned managing and creating content for vidIQ. Tips and tricks that you can apply to your own channel and to get your channel growing. If you wanna know what his tips and tricks are, what he looks for in his analytics, what he looks for when he's creating content, this is the video for you. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator. So you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. And welcome to another episode of Cheap Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I am the Director of Customer Success here at vidIQ, where every day I help creators big and small, level up their channels, get more subscribers, more views in less time. So today we've got Mr. Wilson, the one and only, the one who looks after the vidIQ channel, who has grown it to insane heights, lots of viral videos. And I wanna ask Rob, what has he learned from running the vidIQ channel. How can that help each and every single one of us? So Rob, welcome to Tube Talk. Thank you very much for having me on Liron, it's an
1: absolute pleasure to be here. I think I started making videos on the channel uh, in April 2016 and I've been, well since everybody else has got a director's title here, I'm going to call myself a director of video content and I've been that since
0: October 2017, so full time two and a half years. So going full-time on YouTube, essentially, this is what this is what it boils down to.
1: Yeah, I, I, I used to have my own channel, a tech channel, and I was kind of juggling two things at the same time. But when um, the boss here at vidIQ was impressed with the work I was doing freelancing for vidIQ, they offered me the opportunity to turn my passion into a career. And didn't say no, couldn't say no, really. And <laughs> ever since, it's been the v- dream job and journey
0: into YouTube. Well, and for those who want, we'll have a link in the description for watching Rob's Wilson animated journey. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Good point about that. Do you see how I weaved that in? That was good, right? Very good. (laughs) All right, so Rob, speaking of being good, which is what you are and getting viral videos, getting the right topics, being able to do the right research over your years of experience with your own channel, and now bringing it across to VidIQ's channel, you've got a bunch of tips and tricks you want to share with us, so... Let's hit it. What's tip number one?
1: Yeah, uh, so the first one, I think, is something that a lot of video creators, when they first start out on YouTube, kind of, um, they don't pay enough attention to, and that is the, the aftermath of the video itself. A lot of people, myself included, put in a lot of time, effort, resources, and mental energy into the creation of the video. But you have to get a potential viewer to click on that video, and that's only successfully done through the combination of a a title that, first of all, for many creators, is keyword research discoverable, and then enticeable to click on through a bit of a story in the title. But the way people are going to stop scrolling through search results and browse and subscription fees is the thumbnail you want to be having a thumbnail of some kind that makes a person stop scrolling. And then the title entices them to actually click on the thumbnail. And at vidIQ, I continued what I was doing with my old channel, which was to have like a template and then maybe change a, an icon and a bit of text. So I mm-hmm. might spend maybe no more than five, 10 minutes on a thumbnail. And back in 2018, we have a click through rate of somewhere in a region of like two and a half, three 3%. So we knew we could do better. And through the course of 2018, moving into 2019, it was Jeremy Vest, who's uh, the director of uh, marketing, there's another director at vidIQ, but he's also had um, a lot of experience creating thumbnails for for clients and other channels. And he started to mentor me a little bit in improving our thumbnails. And there's a lot of general practices such as making your thumbnails consistent, uh, having a simple format, so less elements is actually better. You don't want a busy, chaotic thumbnail. Right. Um, Colour and black branding. And perhaps the the most important thing I learned through creating thumbnails and spending time on them is that most of us create thumbnails on a nice, big, beautiful 32-inch widescreen or whatever. But there's only one person who will ever see that thumbnail of that size, and that is you, the creator. <laughs> what you have to realize is that people see these thumbnails at 5 or 10% of their ideal size and so you have to factor that in. That means that the thumbnail has to tell a story, at a fraction of its size. And so you have less elements, only a few primary colors in there. And um, when we started to implement those changes over the course of six to 12 months, we saw our click-through rate increase from 2.5% to 5 6%. And it's still not where it should be, but we had a benchmark of a, a percentage, and we wanted to improve on that. And Through doing that, we didn't just improve our view counts by two, three, four percent because we were essentially doubling our click-through rate. We were increasing our view count by a massive amount, and that led into YouTube distributing our content to more users going forward. So I think right now, for I think for the majority of video creators, whatever length of time you're spending on thumbnails, double it potentially triple it, and. A lot of people will hopefully come back to us or anybody else who says that and say, Yeah, you were right. I'm putting the same amount of work into my videos, but I'm getting so many more views because the thumbnail itself, you know, the shop window, the shop front is more enticing for the potential customer.
0: Yeah, and it's important what you said. It's the thumbnail has got the mission of just one thing stopping someone from scrolling. I'd say so, yeah. The the more attractive your thumbnail is and the more eye-catching that it is, the easier it's going to be to get somebody's attention. They simply scroll over, they look at your title and together as a unit, they pretty much sell themselves and then says, oh, wow, I need to click on this. I want to see what's going on. And that seems to be quite a big change on the vidIQ channel, particularly if you look at the old videos compared to the new ones, it's made a world of a difference. Is this something that we should be paying much, much more attention to, would you say? Yeah, I, so at the beginning of uh, the vidIQ
1: thumbnails, I, I had this like big, bright starburst with them me in the foreground, but it wouldn't be zoomed into my face, and I'd try and have an action, but I, I didn't have the right lighting either. So there was a lot of fundamental things that weren't quite right with the uh, thumbnails. And a, a good way to look at this is Try and look at a, a foreign language channel and see if you can work out what's going on or what the video's about by just looking at the thumbnails. And you'll tend to find that the most successful thumbnails very rarely rely on text. And you can, and, and then it becomes, the thumbnail becomes almost like a universal language. It doesn't require me to spell out exactly what's going on. And hopefully, and, and we actually have, a Spanish vidIQ channel, and the uh, Spanish channel manager uses pretty much our thumbnails. They may change a bit of text here and there, but generally speaking, because of how the elements are already in place, we don't have to do too much. So I think that's a good indication of how a thumbnail, as you say, needs to stop the person
0: from, from scrolling through whatever they're looking at. Yeah, and, and the big tip here is also not to repeat your entire title in your thumbnail. It's, it's just not a point in doing that. It's such a small real estate. Use those elements to really grab attention and get somebody to read your title.
1: Yeah. I think a, a good example of that might be, let's say the title of a video is how to save money whilst um, studying at college. Instead of putting that entire title in the thumbnail, what you could do in a thumbnail is just have a figure that says plus $500. So there's a, yes. there's, a, there's, a, there's a big headline statement of like, this is how much you could save. And then the title is just extrapolating about saying you could earn or save $500 while you're at college.
0: Okay. So now we understand thumbnails. You've prioritized that. You've made your mission to really understand the science of thumbnails and really dive into that. Does that give you those viral videos? I mean, you seem to be hitting those nerves, dare I say, quite often, and um, you're spiking those video views. And some of your videos have got, what, a, a million plus views, if I remember correctly?
1: Yeah, often touching the nerves of our subscribers. Uh, you are. <laughs> um, so how I've discovered uh, a success is by whenever the YouTube analytics are telling me something of interest that's the video is getting way more views than the average video on the channel. It's something that you can't really ignore from purely like a, let's say you're, you're, a, you're a, a business owner and you suddenly see that one line of products is selling really well. Right. Do you, do you just wait for that product to sell out and then you don't order anymore? No, you're clearly going to order more of that product in. And it's, it, it's a similar tra- line of thought for a, For a video creator in that if youtube really likes a certain piece of content from you you should make more on that content and just to give people a bit of context here whether you like this story or not back in 2018 (laughs) 2019 pewdiepie versus t-series was the biggest youtube story for around about six months and we did a bit of testing with it to begin with but once we discovered that one or two videos had been getting like 50 to 100,000 views versus maybe educational content on vidIQ which may get 5 to 10,000 views. We said to ourselves, okay, we know what our core is at vidIQ and we're not going to change from that. I'm not going to deviate from educating video creators on their YouTube journey. But what I'm also going to do to increase exposure of a channel is continue to make more of this PewDiePie vs. T-series content. And what I realized was that In terms of the elements you should be sending to YouTube, those being the title, the description, the tags to a lesser extent, you can more or less keep those elements almost identical. Right. But and have a little bit of a change. So it might be PewDiePie versus T Series, it's getting close, might be one title. And then the next title might be PewDiePie versus T Series, the end is near, or PewDiePie versus T Series, T Series fights back, or PewDiePie. uh, We're keeping a lot of elements the same. So YouTube knows exactly what the content is. So it's going to serve it to an audience that already has watched the content before. But when you get into the thumbnails and a little bit of titling strategy changing, the audience knows that it's new content from the video creator. Back in my tech days, when I realized that for whatever reason, YouTube decided that I was the foremost authoritative educator on how to record your iPhone screen most of the titles would start with how to record your iOS screen or how to record your iPhone screen and then go into the specifics like new app available or fixing audio issues but I was always hitting those same SEO keywords for YouTube uh, to understand the content so yeah I think we've, we've kind of titled this strategy When you find your viral moments, and I do emphasize your, because for different creators, viral means something entirely different. It might be that you average 50 to 100 views on your videos, and then you have one which gets 2,000 views. Well, for you, that is your viral moment. Absolutely. So You don't have to wait for a video that gets a million views. It's all relative to the size of your channel. Whenever YouTube is telling you through analytics that you're doing something right, yeah. you want to grab onto that bone and shake it as hard as you can. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm talking in dog metaphors because I've recently uh, got a puppy. Um, but yeah, you want to try and drill into that mm. topic as specifically as you possibly can. And,
0: and write, write it out. If you, YouTube is loving you for that content, and that content is being distributed to not just to your audience, but to new audiences and they love your content well youtube is telling you look make more of this if you make more of this you ought you ought to see more youtube love going even further with your next video and your next video but if your next video is weird it's back to your old content you've now paused this entire train that you were on because now youtube says well what do i do with this new content
1: yeah, and and you know as well as I do that there's so much resistance to this logic of yes. doing the same thing over and over again. Like, I don't want to be pigeonholed as just being that person who does that thing. And you've just got to change your mindset into, hang on, yep. I'm known as a person who does this thing. And everybody on YouTube is being shown my content because I know how to do this thing. And I'm more than happy to continue making content on something that's working for my audience. Because I'm thinking about, well, um, I'm kind of thinking like how is YouTube going to grow my channel. But I'm also thinking about how is my audience going to react to this content. I didn't imagine that I would be a person making how to record your iPhone screen videos on YouTube. But when you start getting hundreds of thousands of views <laughs> yes. versus what you were getting before, it's like, well, okay, yeah, I love making videos. I'm going to take my creative exactly. passion into this topic. It's still about tech. It's very specific, I know. And when I build up an audience, I will take those viewers on a, on a journey where I want to take them. But I think to begin with, you do have to be a bit of a slave mm. to the to the SEO and keywords that are working <laughs> for your channel.
0: Yeah, and until you find your own feet. And you can always pivot at a certain point. It's I love that example that you gave. It's like being a shop owner and a certain line of products is selling really well. It's the same thing here where you're going to say, well, I know it's selling really well. So what? Let's go back to what we were doing last week. You would never do that. You would jump in on whatever's selling well and create a follow-up and maybe an additional product. It's selling. People are loving it. Let's give the people what they want. So this makes absolute sense. And the whole being pigeonholed thing, I never understood it. And I speak about this often on the Tube Talk podcast, the audio version, where you basically say you don't want to be known as the best in the world for (laughs) that topic. It's crazy. It's absolute madness to me. If you want to be known as the best in the world, of course you want to be known as the best in the world. That is being pigeonholed. Yes, please give me more authoritative on that. It's crazy how people are shying away from doing what succeeds, what works. But, um, you know, one of the things that I've really loved about the way that you do your strategy on the channel is being able to kind of almost be first. You've got this competitive edge of being able to see the trend early on, jumping in on that. Does that help a channel grow in terms just by being first, or do you kind of see a different approach where... It's more of what people are gonna be searching for. You don't necessarily have to be first, you just gotta be better or bigger. I think this fundamentally falls back to the
1: question of quantity versus quality. And I have an attitude of quality to a certain extent that doesn't impede my speed of delivery. I've kind of almost changed that concept on its head there and
0: yeah, a little bit. <laughs> use it
1: for my own means, but let me try and put it in, uh, put it in a, another way. Um, I, I have built up a, a talent for getting content to uh, market or to YouTube viewers before anyone else by recognizing that there is a story to be had there and then spending a certain amount of time on turning it into a video. Now, it might not end up being the best video on YouTube, for that particular story but it will be there before anyone else or most creators and to certainly for trending topics when people are searching for this trending topic they just want to consume whatever's available to them yes now i fully accept that for certain video creators, that's not necessarily true. We take like a tech YouTuber as MKBHD as an example. When the latest iPhone is released, he's not necessarily doing a live stream of them announcing it because that's just not his style. It's not the way he works as a creator. He will create the highest quality content, which you literally cannot get anywhere else. The way he delivers a video content is unsurpassed, which is why he's such a successful tech YouTuber. Um, So, uh, as there always is with YouTube, there's many different roads to take, and I think you just have to understand what works best for your workflow methods and be the best at doing that in in a certain way. Uh, As a a, a quick example, uh, when YouTube released a new feature called hashtags, we made a video and it came out in the first 24 hours, and I think Today, it's got maybe a quarter of a million views, and it's, I think, pretty much the only video that anybody watches because it's at the top of the search rankings. Right. So for something that's so specific and niche, being first is so crucial, but I will accept the argument that for n- that doesn't work for everybody, but I think certainly in the search-intensive mm-hmm. area of YouTube, being first can, be, can give you a competitive edge even when you're a smaller channel.
0: Well, especially since we all know YouTube is the world's second largest search engine. Yep. And the way that it's been integrated more into Google.com, the search engine, mm-hmm. things are being fed from YouTube, being fed from blog sites, being fed for websites. So it's all about what are people looking for? They're hungry for that information. YouTube wants to deliver that content to them. So being aware of what's going on around you is pretty darn important. Do do you look at those things like trending hashtag? I'm curious, like, how you would research a topic before deciding whether it's worthwhile going after. What is your process for doing that?
1: (laughs) Hmm. My answer is probably going to dumbfound a lot of people. And I don't know if I answer this because it's just through the amount of experience I've had with making videos because I... um, we were talking before and I think I'm up to about 1800 videos now and it seems to me that when I see a certain comment or I see a certain news story or um, or just whatever is going on in YouTube within 5 to 10 seconds I already have in my head the, 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 the genesis of what the video is going to be and then I go about making the video and I know this, sound, this will probably sound like it's completely backwards uh, okay. to a lot of people. And, and this, is why, this is why I often stress that every video creator's journey is different, but it's not necessarily right or wrong. And then once I've made the video, I will then start the process of saying, okay, let's have a look at how other people have titled their videos or used metadata. And then I will construct uh, my content similar to theirs. And it's just the way I've always worked. And you know, you could well argue that maybe you need to do the other way around and do the research. But my argument would be if I spend an, an extra day researching, then my video is going to be the 712th yeah. video out there. It won't be time, the first, right. Rather than the fourth or the, or the fifth video out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to answer that okay. particular question. And I, 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 I wish I could share that. <laughs> certain gift that I have to be able to have an idea
0: and and turn it into a
1: video so quickly. I mean, obviously, then it takes a long time to actually make that video, but I always seem to be able to know whether I'm gonna go after a video without too much thought. And I I mean, I say this to a lot of people, I say, stop thinking and start doing when it comes to YouTube. And that's how I've always, and I'm a very, very practical person. I like to get things done and learn that way.
0: All right, so, so there isn't one way of achieving a goal, you know, maybe for some very, very specific channels, you do need to do that research. You want yeah, to see up against, yeah. you know, versus another channel um, where maybe some of the bigger channels, like the VidIQ channel is already authoritative. You know, you're not going to struggle too much with YouTube algorithm. It's more about, does the audience actually want to see this piece of information? So again, um, you know, and that that's kind of the next point I wanted to bring up, where not everything applies to everyone all the time. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a mistake that you and I often speak about where people saying, well, I've done all hundred of your suggestions, uh, you know, and and now what, what do I do next? Well, do you find that people are maybe just doing too much at some stages or maybe kind of trying to apply absolutely everything down a certain rabbit hole, square peg, round hole, it doesn't fit. Should people be listening to absolutely everything or take things with a pinch of salt? So so I think, uh, by all means, learn
1: as much as you can from people who've been through the experience of growing their channel. But nothing beats your own personal experience on the platform. I guess the best way to maybe put this into a specific example is that we all say that watch time is the most important metric on YouTube. And the, the more watch time you get, the more views, uh, sorry, the more that YouTube will share your content. And even YouTube say that. But I have certain videos, and these are tutorials telling people how to use very basic things in the YouTube studio, where I've purposely front-loaded all of the information in the first minute of a video. And then there's, it goes into a bit more detail uh, after the after that main bit because my philosophy is when I want to know how to delete a YouTube video, I don't want to, want to go through two or three minutes of preamble. I just want you to show me how to do it. And I assume right. that's what my audience wants as well. So those videos have relatively low audience retention. It might be 30, or 40 percent. And the view duration might be like 50 seconds, which mm-hmm. sounds completely counterintuitive to what the general advice is. However, because it's a very search driven topic and the videos seem to do really well even though they're not watched for very long they get to the top of the search rankings. That's an example of where I would specifically not do a longer video because right. I'm understanding that the video itself is a particular niche. And we, we can extend this to all sorts of things like for certain people thumbnails it might be really handy to have text on the thumbnails rather than not much text because Again, when people are searching for content, them scrolling down, they may stop on a particular thumbnail that just spells out exactly what the video is going to be about. Whereas, right. if it's a storytelling element to a thumbnail, you need a bit more intrigue and a bit more, um, a bit more of a, a, a potential hook. More so, I, th- I, think, I think knowing the rules is brilliant, and you should continue to learn through whatever sources you want, whether it's VidIQ or other uh, growth experts but just appreciate that sometimes you have to break those rules in order to succeed because you may need to disrupt what's currently going on in your topic yep. or you may discover that something works specifically for you and that's fine, but you have to recognize that. I think that's, again, going back to the double, not doubling down, making <laughs> more of a content that works well for your channel. You That's where you're recognizing where your strengths are. And I think that's, well, a lot of video creators tend to lose a little bit as they're trying yes. to learn how the platform works for them.
0: Yeah, I, I must tell you, absolutely. It's, I find that not only do you have to do what works for you, you also got to keep a view of what's working for everybody else, and then you have to make a decision. Do you want to be a me too? Do you want to be exactly the same as everybody else? Or maybe you want to get weird. Maybe you want to test something different. I know in my tech space, the people around me would making the exact same type of thumbnail. Always you making the YouTuber face, holding some sort of a device, and that was the thumbnail. I decided to go do something different. I did the, the kind of still me in the video, still making that weird YouTube face, but then I put lots of color. I yeah. Instead of going the black and white route, I went green and pinks and reds to try and experiment because I want to be different. I want somebody to stop what they're doing As we said earlier, stop what they're doing, grab their attention. So whilst we always teach a certain way of doing things, you do have to look at your own analytics. You have to look at your own channels and then be able to say, okay, that bit works for me. I understand how that bit works, but I'm going to not use that because for my channel, those aren't the right needs. And in your analytics, what would you say something that you would look for? Some indicators? or some things within your channel with your analytics to say, oh, I'm onto something here. What should I be looking for?
1: Obviously click-through rate, which we've kind of alluded to with thumbnails. What I would also look at as well is what I call the resting heartbeat or the cadence of your channel. And that's when you analyze how your channel is performing on an average day. Say when you've not released a video, let's say it gets a thousand views per day and then after you've made some videos uh, they'll probably spike on on those particular days when you release a video and then it'll mm-hmm. start to tail off again when you start to discover that certain videos are bringing up the entirety of the channel and this might be like a, a, a hero video a, a lot of educational channels find this, that they have one video that's pulling the entire channel and that and that one will turn into evergreen content and you suddenly go from a thousand views a day to maybe two thousand views a day. Um, that's when you start to realise that your channel is growing through just daily content. Not necessarily, I mean, and sometimes it's not the subscribers that are important. Of though well, of course, subscribers are important for many different reasons. They are important in terms of value to different video creators. I think them far more important to channels such as Casey Neistat, Mr. Beast. And um, G- and Janelle, um, who are very much storytellers, and they're putting their lives in front of an audience a lot of the time. But I think for VidIQ, uh, channels like yourself, Leeron, and other ones who are very search-driven, you'll find that it's a lot more difficult to get those subscribers to begin with. And there are there are of course exceptions to the rule, like the top of the tech industry, MKBHD, and Unbox Therapy, where not only do the the viewers find the content that they want to watch, but they also find the personality that they want to uh, associate themselves with. Uh, And those are the real superstars of YouTube. yeah, I think people, uh, video creators tend to be good at one or the other to begin with. They're either really good on camera and really personable and likeable, or they're really good at bringing concepts and themes and explanations to content. Uh, And I think I'm certainly the latter and I would love to be able to get to the former as well and be much better in front of camera going long term. But I know you're about to say you're already really good on camera. And yeah, I I
0: appreciate that. You took the word out of my mouth. I got got nothing more. It's Uh, almost as if we've (laughs) had this conversation several times in the past. A couple of times. (laughs) Uh, How many videos have you done? Like if you look at your own channel and then you look at the vidIQ channel, how many videos would you say you've done in total? I think I'm up to about 1600 to 1800 videos now. 500 on vidIQ and then 1000 plus on the other channel. And and this is the reason I bring that up and and I like to ask you this in public, which is what this is, is just to show that even with so many videos, there's still an element of I still need to get better. I still need to learn. I still want to improve a little bit with every video. So I'm better at my editing great now am I better at my thumbnails am I better at being on camera am I better at delivering a concept and even with so many videos under your belt you're still constantly constantly trying to improve and a lot of the big creators that we speak to they kind of saying the same thing that they're constantly trying to get better and better and better so Rob as we're kind of ending off uh, we said thumbnails are critical you've got to pay attention to that we said, you've got to find your viral moment, double down to make more of that content that really, really works for you. And really listen to kind of everybody, but then don't force yourself to be like everybody. Don't, make sure don't, that you,
1: don't try and do any, everything, everything
0: that yeah. everybody suggests, yeah. Your channel is different. Look at your analytics, look at your audience, see what fits, what fits your style, the way that you work. We all have different time commitments and time availability to make this. Don't be forced to do something a certain way because that's guaranteed success. That just doesn't work that way. So great five points, five tips that kind of you've shared that from your experience. As you're about to leave us, what's one message that if you could give to every single video creator out there, what would that message be, Kiras?
1: All right, I've refined it now. Okay, I think okay. I think I'm going to say this perfectly. Okay, so time, in my point of view is the most important currency on YouTube because everything is already free. So you can't persuade people to watch your content because it's cheaper than others. Your content has to be more valuable than anyone else's in the time that the viewer is willing to spend with you. So try to think about how much value you can provide to your audience in the time that they have available because it is so precious.
0: Oh, you have refined it. That, that, that was very well done. It's like the 17th time we've done this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Rob, thank you very much. Um, this was really, really useful for someone who doesn't just do the theory of it because we teach it, therefore we do it. We do it ourselves. We test a lot of things offline. We test a lot of things in the background. It's about time we kind of go to tell people and work with people, speak on stages. We know we've done it from experience and that's what these kind of conversations are really valuable. And it was great to start the year having a video podcast for Tube Talk. Well, this is video is what we do after all. Guys, let us know in the comments below if this is the kind of thing that you like. Give the video a thumbs up if you liked it. Don't forget to share this video with at least one other creator that's maybe struggling and trying to find their feet. These five tips are really, really gonna help. Rob, thank you very much again for hanging out with us. And we'd like to end off by you saying your famous lines of enjoying your video making day. Go for it.
1: Pleasure to be on, Leron, And of course, as I say at the end of all of my videos, enjoy the rest of your video-making day. Bye for now.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video-making day.